Welcome to Pensions WTAF Working Through the Actual Facts podcast, a podcast brought to you by Pengage Limited, pension communications, engagement and guidance experts. I'm Laura and I have 25 years experience working within the pension sector, helping people to prepare and plan for their retirement. And I'm Nigel Heaton. I joined um, Laura at Pengage last year. After 33 years working in the pensions industry uh, for some of the major employee benefit consultancies, I'm also a fellow of the Pensions Management Institute and on pensions, I'm really short of an opinion. So this is a podcast no one will want to listen to because it's about pensions, but you should listen to it. It's a bit fun, it's relatable, it's kind of important. This is not financial advice, but guidance to help work through some of the practical and emotive issues that causes pensions procrastination. So we basically take the complicated stuff and try and make it a bit not complicated. Welcome to another episode of Pensions Working Through the Actual Facts podcast. I'm Laura Bowler and today I am here with Nigel. Hello, we're all right. It's been a while since we've done this together. It has. It got a little bit hectic, I think, didn't it? And Christmas and various other things. But here we are back again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's things going? Because I know that uh, a lot of your time has been taking up in managing and responding to queries on the Facebook page. Yes. So for anybody who doesn't know, we set up a Facebook group last summer, I think it was, um, which is called NHS and Public Sector Pension Support. Um, and it's it's getting busier and busier, really. So we've got nearly 11,500 members of the group. It's also a public group, so people can, can see the posts if they search for it as well. And the reason we did that was to try and help people who um, perhaps are more moderate earners who can't seek um, separate advice or help that's on a fee-paid basis to try and answer some of the questions for them quite quickly and quite efficiently um, and it's just got massive so it, it's busy it's, it's really busy. Um, so, so this is free isn't it so you're doing this out of the goodness of your heart really because 11 and a half thousand members that, that that's pretty impressive it's not quite like Taylor Swift numbers but it's like um, that's a big commitment isn't it? It's massive. Yeah, it is. No, no, we're not. No, we're not at Taylor's status yet. Um, but then I suppose when you think that the, you know, the amount of workers we have across the public sector um, is is huge. The the vast majority of the members on the page are NHS uh, people, and you think there's one point eight million people in the NHS pension scheme. You can kind of understand um, the volumes, but it is it's quite a significant undertaking. Um, we've started putting on some free webinars as well to try and combat a lot of the questions that we get are very similar. So we're trying to sort of combat some of that through other means as well. So, um, but yeah, it's it's quite extensive. We kind of monitor the page from six o'clock in the morning to about nine in the evening. It's quite it's quite, it's quite yeah. busy. Very good. I dip in and out, but that's mainly because I very rarely go on Facebook because. Um, it's not really my thing, but um, as you know, my wife Anna um, still works in the NHS and, and she's retired. So she took um, what was at the time described as retirement return last year. So she's been doing it over 12 months. So Anna's a member and she dips in and out and she occasionally tells me what's going on. But I noticed um, the last time I had a, a look at the weekend, I noticed that there are some common threads and some quiet common questions and, and and maybe the most common that I picked up on w- was um, changing your hours and the impact that has on your pension benefits that that's that's a quite a common question and and it's quite relevant to us because my wife Hannah did it she did it two years ago maybe three years ago 
and I talked her through the impact on her pension benefits. But it's quite a common thing in the NHS for people in their 50s to consider stepping down a band and, uh, and so on. So, I mean, what kind of response do you give them? Because it's quite a, a simple question, but the answers could be quite extensive. Yeah, and it's very much circumstance-based. I suppose one of the most common ones that comes up is um, is people who are not ready to retire and don't want to access the pension but are looking at perhaps reducing their hours as they phase towards working a bit less that tends to be the, the common one yeah. um and it really comes down to the fact that now most people have two sets of pension benefits they've got what we call their legacy scheme or their original scheme which is in the nhs 95 or 2008 and then we've now got 2015 benefits and Reducing your pace or a change in hours um, has different impacts for those different sections, if that makes sense. So we kind of have to split uh, the response into two parts. So the easiest one is the 2015 um, section. So because this is right. called a career average, basically it's just calculated each year based on your actual pay in that year. So if you reduce your hours, your pay goes down, it will reduce what you're adding to the pension for future benefits, but it doesn't change past benefits. Yeah, because we, we, the way we quite often describe the career average revalued earnings scheme is that you're effectively buying a building block which goes towards your total pension and you buy that building block on a block on a year by year base, basis uh, as a, a percentage or a fraction of your actual earnings. So if your actual earnings change, the value of the building block changes simply by virtue of the fact that your earnings have reduced. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So so we would often say 2015, reducing your hours doesn't change any 2015 benefits you've already built up because like, you've already got those blocks, but your yeah. new blocks going forwards will be a bit less because the pay will go down. So that's, that's that. Um, 1995 and 2008 then are what we call the final salary sections. And that means really that the pension that you get from that section is is kind of made up of three key components. So the first is the accrual rate, which is just the formula within the pension scheme that says this is the rate at which the pension benefits grow. So that doesn't change. Yeah. We've then got the service. So the service is the length of time that somebody's been in that section of the scheme for, but it gets reduced down if they ever worked part time hours during the membership of that section. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, and and let, let's face it, the, the NHS is possibly the biggest employer in Europe and has extensive part-time uh, workers. So the payroll and the HR processes behind the scenes need to accommodate this changing of hours on a regular basis. That the, the yeah. NHS couldn't work if it didn't operate on that basis. Exactly. So, so, so the, the service is proportioned in those sections for part-time hours and where you change the hours, it all gets reapportioned and things like that. So if, for example, you work a 37-hour week and you work half hours, um, so 18 and a half hours, then you wouldn't have a year in that scheme. You would have 0.5 of a year. So it gets proportioned based on the hours that you work. Okay. And then the last component is the pay. So the pensionable pay that we use for this particular set or these particular sections is the full-time equivalent pay. Um, so what that means now is that if somebody reduces their hours because they want to work a bit less, that part of the pension isn't impacted anymore because it only uses the full-time equivalent pay. Yeah. 
And quite often, well, I think in most cases that I've seen, that full-time equivalent pay is shown on the payslip, isn't it? So if you're a part-time worker, you'll still be able to see what your your full-time equivalent pay would be just by looking at your latest payslip. In principle, yeah. Yeah, I mean, sometimes there are extra components which are also pensionable. But yeah, from a basic pay point of view, it's on the payslip. And you should be able to see that on the total reward statement. It in, it records what your pensionable pay was to the end of March, and that would be the full-time equivalent for 1995 or 2008. Yeah. So in short, because we're now not adding service to those sections, because it's going into 2015, changing your hours up or down will not impact on the final pensionable pay for those sections. Okay, all right. Yeah, okay. And it like we said before, it needs to work like that because let's face it, an awful lot of people in the NHS work part-time and an awful lot of people change their working hours, but change on a regular basis, up and down. So they effectively flex their working hours on a regular basis, which, which makes the NHS work better. Um, but that sort of begs the question, how do members know that their records are accurate, that all these changes in working hours are reflected in their changes in working hours on their pensionable service record? Uh, it's a good question, and it's one that comes up quite a lot. And it's um, something that we talked about this morning, actually, and we mentioned when we had our team meeting, is that there is a there is a, an element of individual responsibility that has to come from this. Um, so as individual members of a pension scheme, we are responsible for making sure that our data and our records is correct and true. So when you are in the NHS pension scheme, you can go on to your electronic staff record, so your ESR, and you should be able to find your total reward statement, which has a pension statement in that. And that will detail what's called your reckonable membership, which is the service we use to calculate the pension benefit. Now, if your service has been quite straightforward, you could probably look at that and know pretty much straight away whether yeah. you're in the right ballpark or not. But if, as you say, you've been one of these people who's had quite flexible hours and you've moved around quite a lot and sometimes worked extra hours, it's not always very easy to tell. So what you can do is if you have a local pensions officer within your trust, you can ask them for an annual benefit statement. And an annual benefit statement is very similar to the total reward statement in what it tells you, but it also includes a membership record, which then will show uh, where you worked between what dates and also the hours that you worked. And it will show you every time that changes. So that's a good document to get hold of to go back and check. So for a long serving person who has changed their hours quite regularly, that could be quite an extensive document, but it, it allows somebody to go and check it. Now, it may be you can't remember how many hours per week you worked in 1993, for example, but that record is there and you can at least verify the last few years where you've got your own records, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, you know, once you've done it once, it, the first time you're right, it could be quite an extensive and it could be quite a big exercise, yeah. but then ongoing, it shouldn't, it wouldn't be like that because, you know, it's quite a quick check. Um, but it's definitely something that people should do because it's quite important and integral to the, the, how the pension benefits are calculated. Is it usually right? What's our experience? Um, missing missing information, as in completely missing. So um, NHS employees are quite transient, particularly early in their career. They tend to move around a lot and they'll move from different employers to different employers. If you're a nurse and you work bank, for example, that could vary as well. And 
if we find anything, it's usually that something is missing. So a period of service historically where somebody was employed and paying pension contributions just isn't showing on their record. Now, that means that they won't have enough service. Um, and these are typically more historical issues because the way it works is that the employer is responsible for providing information to the NHS pension scheme, which they then use to calculate the benefits. Now, more recently, that's more of an automated electronic feed of data. So we do still find issues more recently if something's been recorded wrong, but the actual transfer of information is quite good. Yeah. Historically, we didn't have that. And so if you're going to find that this period's totally missing, it's usually a historical issue. And that can yeah. become quite hard to then unpick. OK, all right. OK, thank you. Now, OK, so let's make the assumption that the records are accurate and it does accurately reflect the changes you've made in your working hours going back. What if you were somebody who is reaching maybe the 50s and they want to maybe um, take a, a less stressful role and down band, although I may just have invented that word? Um, how does the um, reduction in your actual pay impact the uh, final salary definition for the earlier schemes, the legacy schemes, as you call them? Because we know that, for example, the legacy schemes include a, an element of averaging within the final salary calculation. So what, what do people need to think of before they go ahead and, and downband, if you like? Um, so the first one is which of the earlier schemes were you in? So yeah. was, that, was that 1995 or 2008? Because they have different pensionable pay definitions. Okay. So the 1995 looks at the highest 12 months, the highest last 12 months, but then looks back over three years. So it looks back 12 months immediately before your retirement date and looks at your full-time equivalent pay. And then it will look back at the two years prior to that to see if either of those were higher and if it was, it uses the higher one. OK, but it doesn't go back any more than three years. Okay. So if you're in the 95 section and you're wanting to downband and you're more than two years off retirement, then you need to be prepared that what that could mean is that your pensionable pay actually goes down. And so would your pension benefit. Now, you can potentially protect against that. There is a pay protection policy for the pension scheme, which means that if your pay is going down and you meet certain criteria, the main one being you've got to be over the minimum pension age, which is either 50 or 55, depending when you joined, then you might be able to apply to protect your pay at the, the original level. So it's higher, even though you're, you've voluntarily taken a reduction in post. But this, um, this pay protection thing, I, I've heard about it before, but is that subjective i mean is that subject to the opinion of the people within your trust to make the decision it's an nhs pensions decision it's not a trust decision right. um there are criteria that have to be met so usually provided the relevant criteria is met then it should be okay to go ahead with but you do need to make sure that you read that if you google NHS pensions pay protection it will bring you up a fact sheet and you need to read that fact sheet beforehand Oh, cool. Well, OK. All right. Um, because this downbanding, even though I may just have invented the term, it is not uncommon. It's it's quite a common practice for people in their 50s in the NHS. What else do those people need to consider before they go ahead and agree to work maybe fewer hours, but certainly at a lower band? Um, 
Um, so the obviously the, the the 95 pension, we'll come back to 2008 in a minute, 95 pension could be significantly impacted if we don't sort of get all our ducks in a row or we're not over the minimum pension age because we can't apply for pay protection if we're under the minimum pension age. So your age when you do this is important. Um, the 2015 benefits will be lower um, going forward as on that building block basis we mentioned because, again, the pay has gone down. Death in service. Um, so the scheme provides death and service cover right. to your beneficiaries, which is two times your actual pensionable pay. So if the pay goes down, then obviously that would mean that the... So it becomes the, two times your no reduced pensionable pay, potentially. That's quite a big deal, isn't it? Because people in their 50s may find it difficult to get life insurance cover for the first time elsewhere. It's all right saying you can go on comparethemarket.com and get a quote. But quite often people in their 50s have some kind of underlying medical condition, which either makes it ridiculously expensive or simply impossible. OK, that's quite important, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And, and the other thing is ill health. So um, I don't want to get too drawn into ill health, but quite a commonish uh, thing might be that somebody wants to reduce their role because of a health condition. So right. it might be preventing them from some of the more physical aspects of their job, for example. So they might go for a lower banded role. Now, if you then are deemed to meet the ill health criteria in the scheme, which is that you can't do um, your job or you, uh, the, the more serious one is tier two, and that's that you probably can't work again, then what the scheme does is it projects forwards what your pension benefits would be and gives you an element of enhancement. Now, right. if you've already downbanded because of that and your pay is then lower, then the level of enhancement you will get will be lower because it's calculated on the lower pay. So the reason around why we're downbanding is also quite important that we might need to consider. Yeah, because then if all those things are relevant to you as an individual, it may well be you might want to bring into your decision making process things like partial retirement and retiring return instead or as well as. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's a the everybody's circumstances and the rationale behind people's decision making is so is so different and it's so vast mm. um, that you, there's no kind of one size fits all. But it's really important that um, individual members of the pension scheme can can understand what at least some of their options are in able to make yeah. those decisions. And it is oh. quite challenging. Okay, all right. And things like partial retirement and retiring return are, are almost topics in themselves i know they also generate a lot of questions on the facebook page and maybe that's a topic for another um podcast um because certainly we talk about them on webinars don't we yeah is we there do. anything else sorry go on no i was gonna say no we do we talk about it a lot and it is a hot topic and it's it, it is for various reasons but part of it is because it's it's still at phasing and transitioning into retirement like we've been talking about possibly with with you know downbounding or um, working less hours so it does all sort of link together all right thank you so maybe on, on this podcast we're nearly done is there anything else that we need to think about when we talk about changing your working hours and the impact on your pension if you work in the nhs so the only other thing then is 2008 because we haven't mentioned that so we've talked about 95 and the fact that it looks back at the last three years of pay yeah 2008 is also a final salary scheme um, in that it's linked to your current pay. And again, it's full-time equivalent, but it um, has a different pay definition. And so what 2008 does is it looks like at the highest uh, average three consecutive years in the last 10 years, revalued by inflation. 
So for 2008, if you're downbanding, um, but will retire in five years, for example, it's less of an issue because it, the pay history will still look back at your higher earnings history. It goes back further than the 1995 section does, but it yeah. is an average three as opposed to a one one year figure. Um, so, so it's it's a slightly different issue. Um, and probably lesser of an issue usually for members of 2008 than it is for 95. Okay, all right, okay, thank you. Is there anything else we need to think about before you go back to managing your Facebook page? <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. I think the only thing I would say to people is that when you look at your total reward statements, which we've mentioned you can get through the electronic staff record, uh, what people tend to do is they look at the the front page of that statement, which is what where all the figures are, okay? And then they'll come with a lot of questions of, I don't know what this is, I don't know what this means, what is pay? What is... If you can sit down and take your time and look through the whole of the total reward statement, it's got supporting notes that are included within it, which explain to you the pay definitions as we've talked about them. Yeah. It explains its full-time pay, explains the service. So you need to really look not only at the front page and the headline figures, but also actually at the supporting notes that come with that, because you will actually find that really helpful and it makes it a lot easier to work out what is happening when you read those notes. Okay. All right. Um, that's great. Okay. Thank you. I think we've uh, just about come to the end of this topic. Maybe uh, next time we pick up on some of those things that we've touched on the periphery of, such as partial retirement and retirement return, maybe. Okay. Is that all right? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, let's not overload the audience with too much technical information in one go because it's a lot to take on board. But yeah, if we can all get right. our heads around pensionable pay, that's quite an important part. So right. um, yeah, let's come back and do partial another time. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. All right, bye.